welcome to another episode of Christ in Context, a podcast dedicated to seeing Christ in all of Scripture and using all of Scripture to filter all of life. My name is Kevin, your host, and we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of Christ in Context. My name is Kevin, your host, and um, I'm so glad that you are listening to this podcast. I have so much fun recording it. Um, I actually had a lot of fun prepping for this because I've been in a, a Hebrew exegesis class, and so I decided to kind of spice things up a little bit and translate this whole chapter of Zechariah. So um, we'll be we'll read through the whole passage, like all the way through from the New American Standard Bible, and then we will um, go through verse by verse in the translation that I have done, which could go very well. It could go terribly, but, um, I just wanted to throw out a couple of things to yet again, I'm going to ask for you guys to contact me. I'm, I feel like I'm just kind of, you know, shooting in the dark. Um, I don't know what's sticking, what's not sticking. Um, I don't know if I'm getting too technical or not technical enough. And so just email me at christincontextpod at gmail.com um, or you can contact me via social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram whatever it is, just contact me I, I just want to get to know who I'm talking to and you know like what you're liking, maybe what you're what's not really helping um, so that being said um, I also just wanted to give a shout out to the society because we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. And in the society, it is Assurance of Pardon, Bavcast, Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, Reformed Brotherhood, Reformed Pilgrim, Sipping on Theology, Steady Anchor Podcast, and yours truly, Christ in Context. With all of that being said, I would like to introduce um, a very special guest co-host for this evening. She is not only the co-host of this podcast for tonight, but she is also my forever co-host in life. <laughs> my friendly wife. Ooh, you like that rhyme? <laughs> my wife, Cammie. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Cammie. <laughs> so, Cammie has kind of subtly been in this podcast a couple times where she's been unloading groceries and kind of been banging the mm -hmm. cabinets around or that's what happens when you don't have a separate office to yeah, record your podcast in we have a one-bedroom apartment and so our main living room consists of our couch and my office <laughs> and our pet snake and your piano yeah and so and my guitar and, and yeah <laughs> our kitchen <laughs> and currently our well cammy's brother mike and Manny. He's sitting on Manny, the giant, wonderful beanbag. Anyways. <laughs> so many shout outs. So many <laughs> shout outs. Anyways, she's also barged in and made a lot of noise in the middle of recording. Just like mm -hmm. kicked the door down, guns blazing. <laughs> Not really. Um, so we're, we're trying this out because as I mentioned, like I'm kind of shooting in the dark and I don't really know like what's hitting, what's missing. Like I, I, don't, I don't really know. But Cammy. Being my wife is my biggest supporter. She's also my biggest critic. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> sometimes she tends to say, hey, you know, 
that episode wasn't that good. <laughs> I do not say that. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Pause. Beep. It's the coffee. Mike, go get the coffee. I don't yeah, think it's I the ordered, coffee. I it ordered wouldn't coffee. come at 7, 10 p.m. Yeah, I ordered coffee. It was the doorbell. Wow. Go get the go get the thing. <laughs> it's like fire. Get out. I'm keeping this in the podcast cuz no, this is a cre- no, this is going to be funny. You don't need a mask. Just okay. they left it at the front door, I promise. I ordered coffee. I think so. Like, He's bring like, like a tray of drinks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just a beans. box of beans, yeah. From I'm going to give a shout out to Connect Roasters. Okay, a local yes. coffee roaster Great who shout out. the um the owner of this company is an elder at our church he's a wonderful guy and makes fantastic coffee i told you there he is there's mike with the coffee we've got no i didn't doordash starbucks (laughs) i ordered three bags of um of whole beans from connect roasters so with all that chaos out of the way, I hope. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? I can't control anything. So, Cami, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thanks um, for having me. It's quite an honor. Thank you. I've got you here to ask questions, keep me in line, keep me <laughs> focused, or take me off track. We'll, we'll just kind of see. So, anyways, would you be so delightful and read the epi- this passage for the episode? Zechariah... Chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. It's the whole chapter. And this is the fifth vision that Zechariah has. So, really neat stuff, I think. Is it the fifth vision? Mm. I think it's the fifth vision. Just All right. read. I'm going to look Here at the commentary go. while you read. Zechariah chapter 4. Then the angel of the Lord who was speaking with me returned and aroused me. As a man who is awakened from his sleep, he said to me, What do you see? And I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand all of gold, with its bowl on the top of it, and its seven lamps on on it with seven sprouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it, also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl, and the other side on its the other on its left side. Then I said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, What are these, my lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with Shouts of grace, grace to it. Answer so the word of the Lord. Also, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which reign to and fro throughout the earth. Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on its left? And I answered the second time and said to him, What are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes? 
which empty the golden oil from themselves. So he answered me, saying, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones who are standing by the the Lord of the whole earth. Thank you, Cammie. You're welcome. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so I was able to look it up, and I was I just got nervous because sometimes I say something, and it's right, but I just didn't have it written down, so I wasn't sure that it was right. Yeah, gotcha. So it is the fifth vision. There are eight total visions. Sometimes it's easy to get lost where we are in the the greater context of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now we are in number five of eight visions that Zechariah has. They're all um, in this, it's this long chain of visions that Zechariah has had. It's like considered a one night vision. And so it's like eight consecutive ones that he has in the same night, which is pretty neat. So, um, and I would imagine to be super intense, like, I don't know if they all happen like one after another, or if it's like, you know, falls asleep, wakes up at like, you know, say falls asleep at like eight at night or something and wakes up at like 10 and then wakes up at midnight and then wakes up or I don't know if it just, he woke up and then like, bam, 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 bam. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And so, one of the things that I want to point out about the structure of these eight visions is that it's actually, like, a really neat, um, like, poetic, well, I I wouldn't say poetic, but it's this really neat structure that's pretty common for Hebrew to kind of get a point across. Um, And so, what happens is it's this, I I don't want to call it a chiasm, because it's not a chiasm. Do you know what a chiasm is, Cammie? I've definitely heard you say it. Oh, wait. What you- I'm just going to take a guess. Okay? okay, go for it. Is it where it goes like, like, I don't know how to say it. So it's like the first thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. And then the fourth thing matches <laughs> Super with big. the second thing. And then the fifth thing matches with the first thing. Yeah, so it's like okay. the order would be... A, B, C, and then C prime, B prime, A prime. So yes, it kind of I got it. descends, or it descends and then ascends backwards. Yeah. And they like mirror each other. Um, and so in a sense, it's kind of like this because it is mirroring, but not in the same way as a chiasm. Okay. Okay. So this f- number five relates to the first vision and so it's kind of this like cyclical pattern that is super Mm. common for like um hebrew like so would it be like a b c a prime b prime c prime instead of like yeah yeah a reflection but like just like an order of a repetition kind of thing yeah and so this happens in genesis chapter one which you probably I don't know if you knew that. I did. You did. I'm teaching you so well. <laughs> I'm so glad. So in Genesis 1, we get God creating light and dark. Um, mm-hmm. The ground and the the sky. And then he creates the... I'm blanking. I don't have it off the top of my head. Okay, yeah. But it's like where you if you separate it in the middle and you put them side by side, they yeah. match up. Yeah. 
So he basically creates spaces in the first three days, and then he fills those spaces in the next three days, Mm -hmm. and then the seventh day he rests. This Mm -hmm. is also a theme that we see in Revelation throughout the whole book. And I know you were confused the last time you read Revelation. It was Mm -hmm. also your first time through it, which I'm so proud that you have read through. You're reading your Bible so well. (laughs) I read it. I did not understand it all, but I read it. And I'm going to keep reading, so that's good. (laughs) One of the things that's helpful for understanding Revelation is that it goes through in three cycles instead of just two that connect with each other. So it tells the same thing three different times. And John is really, when he writes things, he's really, he. it's kind of like, um, you didn't watch Spongebob, but hopefully the people listening have watched Spongebob. No, I've watched some Spongebob. Okay, well, there's, not everyone. there's an episode where Patrick says something. I don't remember what he says, but Spongebob goes, Patrick, your genius is showing. <laughs> and when I read John, I think, John, your, your, Hebrew, your oh. Hebrew is showing. Because he just writes and thinks like a like a first century Hebrew. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's one of the that's one of the things to kind of set the context at the stage. So this um whole thing that we're going through is gonna be similar to that. So chapter four relates to chapter one and we're gonna keep seeing these next visions relating and they won't be identical because they will have like, like they're very distinct visions, but the message that the angel of the Lord is delivering to Zechariah is the same in principle. Hmm. So as we'll see, there's a lot of talk about Zerubbabel and then um, like the completion of the temple. And the first vision was a lot about completing the temple and this like hope to complete the temple. Gotcha. So it's really cool. So now we're going to go back verse by verse, and I'm just going to kind of read my own translation. Part of this is just so that I pay closer attention to the grammar and like the words that are used. And sometimes the NASB like just has strange words. Also, really cool thing. I was super excited in telling you about this, but NASB has released their 2020 update. And on Christian Books, it'll be available on October 15th. Super exciting. Um, I was looking through. I found, like, someone who did comparisons of the 95 and the 2020. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was just kind of simplifying the wording and making it easier to understand. Making it, like, 2020 version instead of 95 version. (laughs) So they, they say stuff like brothers and sisters. But whenever it adds ancestors, they have it in italics, like classic NASB style. Because the italics means like it's supplied and not in the original. Yeah. So, anyways, verse one. I think that's really helpful about the NASB that like I like the ESV that I read doesn't have like italics. But yeah, I guess not everyone needs to know. Whatever. Yeah. I think the NASB should sponsor me. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. You hear that, Lockman? Sponsor me. Anyways, verse one. If the doorbell rings, it's... It's Lockman. It, it's, it's the Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> and the angel who was speaking with me returned and woke me up as a man who is awakened from his sleep. So in this verse, um, Zechariah like 
you can tell when there's a new vision every time because he either says like, and I lifted my eyes and saw, or there's this change of scene where he, he says like the angel who was speaking with me returned to, to him and he woke him up. And like, so the idea that he's explaining, like as a man who was awakened from his sleep, which is kind of redundant. If you think about it, like he woke me up as a man who was awakened. But the whole point of that is that he's really emphasizing that he was like super shaken up, super like, ah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and like, he he's just like super shook basically. Mm. Um, so, so like the angel has his attention. So then the next couple of verses, verses two and three say, and he said to me, what are you seeing? And I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand of gold, all of it, and a bowl on its top, and its seven lights on it, seven pipes, each for the lights which are on top of it, and two olive trees with it, one on the right of the bowl and one on the left of it. I didn't realize how wordy that translation is. What does it say in this one? Verses two and three. He said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, with its bowl on top of it, and its seven lamps on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on its left side. Yeah. So, Zechariah sees a lampstand. It's made entirely of gold. That's why I said... um, I see and behold a lampstand of gold, all of it, because I mean, that's how it's written in Hebrew. It's like mm-hmm. he says that it's gold and he's saying like all of it is gold. So, yeah. uh, and then there's this bowl that's on top of it. So the lampstand is just kind of like when, sometimes when we say lampstand, we kind of think of the whole lamp, but He's actually referring to, like, literally just the stand. And this is like... And there's a bowl Like a candle holder thing. Yeah. And the word in Hebrew is menorah. And so, like, a lot of times... Yeah, isn't that neat? But it's unhelpful. (laughs) Because, like, it means a specific thing, like a lampstand. But it's kind of come to mean, like, the seven-pronged jewish menorah for hanukkah but that's not whereas that word for like because it's like a lampstand thing but it has seven or whatever but that came from the hebrew like word for just lampstand yeah it's just a stand yeah okay and it's got a bowl on top of it and the bowl that's on top of it has like seven lights around like so if you imagine a bowl is like a circle and you've got like seven lights that are in each like that are spread out throughout the bowl. Do you want like inside the bowl or like on the bench? like kind of like on the lip of okay. Like it's got like a bowl, but it's got like this lip around it that like you can put the lights in, and that's why it says like seven pipes each for the lights which are on top of it. So there's these like oh. little pipes that like kind of hold the mm-hmm. the lamp or the the lights, and. So there was a whole tree on that one side of the bowl and a whole olive tree on the other side? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what later on... Is this on, like a big thing? 
Or is it like... The lampstand? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. And olive trees I don't think are that big either. Okay. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, no, olive trees are not big. Wow. You could buy an olive tree. Why don't we have olive trees in our house? I knew olive... Did you know olive branches, like, are used so much in, like, wedding and, like, flower decor because they're so pretty? Like, we should just Hmm. put an olive tree in our tiny apartment. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's, like, it's really not that big. Olive trees, you can have them in your house. So, if you can have them in your house, they're really not that big. Also... Or you have a big house, but... I don't think so, because all these pictures I'm seeing are just really small. I didn't know that about olive trees. Wait. That's pretty neat. I'm trying to see if they're actually that small, or if they just look like they're Well, I did. I saw a picture of, like, the fully grown ones. It's kind of like a trush. They're, like, really thick, (laughs) but they don't get that tall. I've called, like, small trees trushes, because it's like a bush, but it's like a tree, and sometimes you can't tell which one it is, so you just call it a trush. A trush, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So anyways, there's this lampstand. It's made entirely of gold. The bowl is made of gold. And so, like, this whole thing is made of gold, and it's got these two, like, olive trees. And, like, olive trees are important because they produce olives, which make olive oil. And wine. Oh, wait, no, wait. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking that. The grapes gra- make grapes, wine. Grapes make wine. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, we go to a dry campus. <laughs> we, anyways. Okay, yeah. Olives are important. I, I mean, yeah, because okay. they make olive oil, and olive oil is used to anoint things. Oh. Yeah. So we'll get back to this. In <laughs> Cammy's brother Mike says olives are tasty. I think they're disgusting. <laughs> There, I said it. Olives are nasty. So anyways, um, we'll get back to the significance of the olive trees at the end of the chapter. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but there is an interesting um, grammatical thing going on Mm -hmm. that I wanted to point out. And it's probably not important at all, but it's just one of those things that's really neat. So basically, we have, and he said to me, what are you seeing? And then it says, and I said. And in Hebrew, the texts that we have, there's older texts, and then there's these newer, um, but really reliable um, Masoretic texts. And the Masoretic texts have the vowel pointings on them. And so... There's two different kinds, like the way that the Masoretes wrote, there were some times where they would have like the older Hebrew um, and they would write like what was originally written and then they would write, I forget, I think that on top of the way that it was originally written, they would write out the vowel pointings for how they had read it. Mm. Are you following? Sort of, I think. Okay, so what we have here is there's these two things called the kativ and the kere. The kativ are the things that were written. That kind sounds of, like ketavim. Yeah, because... I don't know what that word means. Ketavim means the writings. Oh, so ketav is like a writing. 
Yeah. Oh, and I know Eam is plural because Elohim is plural. I love you so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I know, I'm picking up. Yeah. I pay so, attention, see? I'm so glad. <laughs> so, yeah, we have the Tanakh, the Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketavim. And so the Ketavim are the writings. And so when we have a Ketiv, that's something that was written. So the original written form was, and he said. But the Kere is how they read it. So they wrote the vowel pointing. So it was written as a third masculine verb. So, and he said. But the way that they read it was, and I said. Oh, because both would be he, and that would be confusing. Yeah. So, so basically they were correcting what seems to be a scribal error. So it's really like not a big deal, especially with the word, um, that's the word that means like to say, mm-hmm. um, the way that it's written, like w- without vowel pointings, it's really easy to kind of just throw in a mistake because it's one letter difference, gotcha. one consonant difference that makes it, um, third masculine or first singular or f- All right. first common. So, anyways. so why is there a lampstand? I'm just with olive trees and a bowl on top of it and what is that's a really good question (laughs) and that's exactly what um what zechariah says you're on the same train of thought as zechariah look at you verse four zechariah says and i replied and i said to the angel who was speaking with me saying what are these my lord and so Zechariah, I mean, like, he sees it. He knows what's going on. Like, he, he sees the things. He knows what the things are. But he's like, what What in the world are you showing me? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And so, like, hence the question, what are these? And the angel who is speaking with him replies. So verse 5 says, And the angel who is speaking with me replied to me, You don't know what these are? And I replied, No, my lord. And so the question, like, you don't know what these are, is when I read it, it seems like kind of condescending and sarcastic. Like, come on, You don't bro. know what this is? It's a lampstand, bro. <laughs> There's some olive tree. It's like, I, I know the little parts, but like, what does it all put together mean? Yeah. The commentary that I used says that the way that it's, like, the construction of it conveys the meaning of, like, surely you know what these are. But mm-hmm. Zechariah, like, is insisting, like, no, I really have no idea what you're trying to say with these. Okay. And so, yeah, he's just saying, like, yeah, I want you to explain what these are, what they mean. He's, like, he wants to, he knows that the, this is a lampstand. He knows that they're olive trees. He knows that there's a bull on the lampstand with lights. But he wants to know what's going on. Like, what's the significance of them? And so in verse 6, the angel replied, it says, And he replied and said to me, saying, This is the word of Yahweh to Zerubbabel, saying, Not with strength and not with might, for with my spirit, says Yahweh of hosts. Which sound I think I worded it kind of weird, but I did it intentionally. What do you think? Mm Do you think I worded it weird? Um, wait... Not with strength, not with might, for with my spirit. 
Okay. No, it sounds right. It sounds like it makes sense. But what is this? The NASB says, yeah, just a reminder, like we're reading Kevin's translations because he just wanted to for fun <laughs> translate it, but also so that he could pay more attention to like, what did the Greek actually mean? And it's not Greek. I meant Hebrew. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, and then verse six, then he said to me, uh, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by, isn't that what you just said? Not with strength and not with might, for with my spirit. Oh, not by might. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Good. So there's two words, chayil and koach. Those are the fun Hebrew words that you really get to sound Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Chayil, koach. <laughs> anyway, so those two words are <laughs> basically... too much fun I that. am having too much fun. <laughs> They're, basically, they mean the same thing. Strength and might and power and it's all the same thing. There's like a little bit of nuance, but not enough to like, it's, it's just enough to use two different words. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the angel delivers this word to Zechariah to give to Zerubbabel. So it says, this is the word of Yahweh to Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel hasn't really been mentioned a whole lot up to this point, um, but he is mentioned in Ezra Nehemiah, and so I have Ezra chapter 3 pulled up, and let's see. In the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, and all who came from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work and appointed the Levites from 20 years and older to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. And this is the rebuilding of the house of the Lord, because they were still in captivity or in exile. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point, the Persians had taken over the Babylonians. And so the Persians were like, yeah, you Israelites can go home and rebuild. And so that's what they're doing. So Zerubbabel is one of these political guys who's, he's just like a leader, like a community leader. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to help build this city. And so he's kind of, he's like one of the the chief leaders. Um, along with Joshua the high priest. So the two, Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel, are working really closely together to um, to build the city and the temple. And so that's why there's this word from Yahweh to Zerubbabel, saying that it's not by strength and not by might. And then he says, uh, how does he say it? But with my spirit or for with my spirit. So the only reason that we know so far that Zerubbabel is rebuilding the temple is from Ezra. Or is it like also from this text? There's Ezra and Nehemiah. Those two texts, even though we split them up in English, 
in Hebrew they go together as like one long yeah. text. And yeah. then we have Zechariah and we have Haggai. But I'm saying like... Because Haggai and Zechariah were prophets that worked together and they prophesied to the people. Yeah. And so like those are what we've got. What I was saying is like, so do we know that this vision is about the rebuilding of the temple because of that? Because of what Zerubbabel does? Or do we, it's not, we don't really know yet that it's about the temple. Well, the whole thing, like, yeah, the whole point, like the broad point of all of these visions are encouragement for rebuilding the temple. Okay. Because of the time that Zechariah was around and kind of what's known about him as a prophet and like who he was prophesying to. So he would like his main ministry was to the people of Jerusalem who were like rebuilding the city and the temple. Okay. So, um, I think that's all I wanted to say about that, but it's a, it's a really cool, like (laughs) the way that it's constructed is not with strength, not with might, And then this word key, I translated it as four, but it's like, it can mean like because or it's just like this by. explanatory like it's because of my spirit says Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So it's not by like yeah the strength. NASB says by like yeah by my spirit like with my because yeah. of <laughs> because of my spirit is what God is saying like you're That's not you're not gonna so finish cool. building the temple because. Of your own strength and your might, but it's only because of the spirit of the Lord. Dude, that's neat. Isn't it? Yeah. Let's keep moving along. This is a good part. Who are you, great mountain? Why does he say that? (laughs) Well, the NASB says like, who are you, oh, great mountain? I think it's oh, great mountain or oh, mighty mountain. Where are we, seven? Yeah, verse Yeah, oh, great mountain. Yeah. So... The word, the letter O isn't actually in Hebrew. So I took it out. Okay. But it says, who are you, great mountain? And then, and this mountain is kind of this like proverbial like difficulty or like uh, obstruction, like in the way of their own building of the temple. And we can tell that that, like we can tell that it's just this like proverbial image because the next thing that the angel says to Zechariah is before Zerubbabel, you will be a plain. So referring back to the mountain, like who are you great mountain before Zerubbabel, you will be a plain. Wait, 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 wait. I forget who's saying this, the angel? The angel. Yeah. Okay. So the angel's saying to, to, uh, um, to Zechariah. Zechariah, who are you great mountain? You're actually going to be a plane. Yeah, before, but it's Not before before Zerubbabel. <laughs> okay. So like nothing is going to stop Zerubbabel in accomplishing what the Lord has decreed to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. And so then he says he will send forth the capstone, shouts of grace, grace to it. And I had a, a lot of difficulty translating this last line. Mm-hmm. He will send forth the capstone. And 
the NASB says like he will send forth a capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Um, but the idea is that Zerubbabel is going to put the capstone, like the final little stone on top of the, um, the temple. And then that will bring about these shouts of grace, grace Hmm. in reference to the, uh, like the finished temple. And so this like grace, grace saying means like, it's kind of the, it's like praise, but it like, it doesn't mean praise, but they're shouting like grace, grace, because like God has given them grace. Mm-hmm. So it's really neat. Um, I actually read John Calvin notes that Zerubbabel is like a typological foreshadowing of Christ. So Zerubbabel, as a type of Christ, is showing how Christ will be the one who will build God's true temple. And nothing will get in his way of building his temple. Yeah, I'm not a great mountain. I'm not a stumbling block. I'm a plane that you can just drive right across. But you're one of the stones that Christ puts in his temple. Whoa. Isn't that neat? Like, you're part of God's temple. Mm-hmm. Wait. Zerubbabel. Okay. And there's nothing that will get in the... There's nothing that will get between Christ and his church. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, verses 8 and 9 continue where Zechariah adds this interjection, he says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel will lay the foundation of this house, and his hands will accomplish it. And you will know, for Yahweh of hosts has sent me to you all. So the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah by means of the angel. That kind of gets lost, but it's assumed through the rest of the context of like like what who has been delivering the word of the lord up to this point mm-hmm. so uh wait also backtracking like just a little bit to verse seven um did you mention i forget that like nothing can stop what god has decreed to happen yeah oh i just missed it okay yeah <laughs> Because that's, like, that's what that verse, like, I don't know, That's you can get that from that verse because, like, you will not be a stumbling block to God. Like, nothing will. Not, yeah, not like, even this massive mountain can get in the way. It'll be smushed down to a flat plain. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So Anyways, cool. go back yeah. to 8 and 9. <laughs> so the hands of Zerubbabel in the NASB, again, say... Like, it says the hands of Zerubbabel, whoa, (laughs) have laid the foundation, but in Hebrew, it's this, like, future tense, Um, which, like, it it just means that, like, Zerubbabel is the one who started the foundation process of this house, and his hands will finish it. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, it's constantly re- reiterating that Zerubbabel will finish this work. And we will know that this will be the case for Yahweh of hosts, or a lot of times it's the Lord of hosts, but we could also say, like, Yahweh of armies or something, um, has sent me to you all. And the me that's being referred to is the angel that is speaking to Zechariah. Mm-hmm. So, verse 10 continues with saying, For whoever has despised the day of small things will rejoice and see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Seven are these, the eyes of the Lord that roam about on all the earth. So, Kev, what is a plumb line? I'm so glad you asked. It's not plumbing, right? No. <laughs> Get out of here with that stupid plumbing. What? I'm just kidding. It just sounds like plumbing to me, like the plumb line. I don't yeah. know. No, it is. I swear, our questions and stuff aren't scripted. Cammy just asked it in a scripted way. <laughs> um. Okay, so a plumb line, this is really neat. Cammy asked me like right before we started and I had an epiphany. Um but not by my own strength and not by my own might, but by the spirit of the Lord. Get it? See what I did there? Huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a plumb line is like basically a stone that's attached to a string. Okay. And you see these pictures? I don't know if you can see it, but it's like this carved out stone. It's got like a pointed tip at at the end of it, mm-hmm. and it's attached to, like it would have been attached to like a wooden spool with, where they would just like wrap the like string around it. Okay. And throughout. Wait, but like, how does it measure? If it's like so, what they do rock is they, on the, a string. Yeah, so it's a measuring line, and instead of. So they had two different ways of measuring things. They would measure vertically with just like a stretched out rope. Oh, it's like and then a measuring plumb line. the height. Yeah. So they okay. would get on. The reason for the weight is because they would climb on top of whatever they're measuring and they would like drop the stone. Okay. Hold, I totally like, imagined like the rock was like measuring things. No. But it's it's the line that's measuring. But yeah, the a, rock is just like. So that it goes down and then you can yeah. measure it. The rock, like it's, it's also called like a plummet because the rock plummets to the mm. ground. Okay. Yeah. So there's this reference to a plumb line or like a, a vertical measuring line. And two times already in the book of Zechariah, we've already seen reference to a measuring line. But it's always been like a horizontal measuring line okay. to refer to like measure the um, like the width of the city. And um, I think it was in chapter. Let's see. Chapter two. I know it was in chapter two um, where it talks about like there's an angel who's going to go like this angel's going out. And I'm only explaining this to you because I know you haven't listened to my podcasts. 
but this angel's like about to go out and then another angel like runs out and says like stop no what are you doing and the angel's like i was gonna go measure the city and then the other angel says no you don't have to because god's city will be so abundant and full of his people and it'll be protected by like the fire of god that like you don't even need to measure it like it can't be measured Hmm. and so and then earlier like in chapter one there was a reference to a measuring line that also and this was like the first vision i think um at least the one that this was paralleling okay where it talks about a measuring line being used um so yeah so what is the like what does the measuring line mean it signifies like, like since we've completion. seen it as a theme like yeah it signifies like completion of the like not only building so like in the first chapter when the measuring line is used it signifies like hey they're gonna start building and this is like There was Mm -hmm. a period of time when they were building where they hit a roadblock and they just, like, stopped building. I think it was for 23 years. Um, And then there's this, like, encouragement. Hey, this person's going to have a measuring line. So Um, when it says, like, see the plumb line in the hand, or no, no. Yeah, for whoever has despised the day of small things will rejoice and see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. So it's keep saying, like we were saying before, like, he's going to put the capstone. He's going to measure it when it's done. Like Yeah, so he's, like, at, like, imagine him, like, at the top of, like, the temple, like, dropping the plumb line down, like, making sure everything's, like, squared away. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what's going on. Yeah. So that's how you will know that the angel of the Lord is, like, assisting in the completion of this temple because like there will be this physical thing that actually happens. Like Zerubbabel will actually like, there will be a sign. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's, um, there's also in this verse or these two verses. Um, sorry, I jumped again. Wait, hang on. I just got super confused. We're in verse 10, right? Yeah. Okay. So at the end of this, it says, seven are these, the eyes of the Lord that roam about on the earth. And this connects back to chapter three, verse nine. Do you want to read that? Yeah. Chapter three, verse nine says, for behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on one stone are seven eyes. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. That's it. And what's going on with that is you can go back and listen to the whole episode. It's from two weeks ago at this point um but it's this in chapter three god is giving this encouragement to joshua that he will and joshua is one of the big leaders of this whole project because Mm -hmm. he's the high priest and the stone is kind of like this like the it's referring to this big slab like the um the foundation stone Mm -hmm. um and there's like seven the eyes. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, well, yeah. But the seven eyes are like 
when when I was reading chapter three, it was kind of ambiguous. Like it says, there are seven eyes looking on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what does that mean? And the commentator or commentators that I read were saying that the seven eyes are like the eyes of the Lord because seven like symbolizes completion. But then we get later, here we are in chapter four, verse 10, where it says, seven are these, the eyes of the Lord that roam about on all the earth. And so now we get like a really clear picture and understanding that God has like, there's these seven eyes that are wandering around the earth. And this is all just like prophetic, like symbolic language to say that like God is watching the whole earth and, and like the completion thing, and right? yeah, this whole completion of the temple, like God. And what's so neat about this is like, like God will bring completion to like, there will be a, a, I guess what I'm thinking about is like, there he will bring completion to the the end of the end times i guess like where we believe we are amillennialists we believe that we are in the end times right now and like god will bring an end to these times like we're not just going to like keep going forever but like he will actually like bring an end and like make a complete a completely new temple. Hmm. So anyways, we're going to read these last couple verses and we'll be done. You know how you said you didn't want to go for an hour? We're at like 50 minutes. Ah, jeez. <laughs> you just ask the right questions. So I'm, I'm so glad. Anyways. So verses 11 through 14, I just clumped them all together because 11 and 12 ask these questions and like get really wordy and then 13 and 14 answer it. And I just think they work better together rather than separate. So Like us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and you're kicked off the show. <laughs> I'm kidding. So then Zechariah says, and I replied in a said to him, what are the two olive trees? Like you, like what you were asking. Yeah. These on the right of the lampstand and on the left of it. And I replied a second time and I said to him, what are the two clusters of the olive trees that are besides the, beside the two pipes of gold, which pour out from above the gold lampstand? And he said to me saying, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. And he said, these are the two sons of oil, the ones standing with the Lord of all the earth. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. I don't know. I'm kidding. (laughs) So, Zechariah's like, okay, what are these two olive trees? I still want to know what's going on. Like, you showed me this vision. I I don't know what's going on with these olive trees. And I guess there were these two clusters. Like, so there's an olive tree on the right and on the left. And then connected to the olive trees are, like, little, like, cluster branches. Mm-hmm. And they are besides, like, two pipes of gold. And besides the two, like, the two pipes of gold 
pour out front they're like above the lampstand but they pour out into the lampstand does that make sense they pour just say it one more time (laughs) okay so there's these olive trees and then there's these clusters that are like coming out of the olive trees like small branches kind of probably with olives Mm -hmm. and then there's these two pipes of gold that are like pouring like kind of like on an angle like towards the the big bowl that's on top of the lampstand remember gotcha and so it's this picture of you know how i said like the the olives like kind of represent this idea of like abundance and oil i didn't say abundance but it's a hint at like what i'm gonna say um <laughs> they represent anointing mm-hmm. and so they're like not just like kind of dripping into the bowl but like they're like flowing into it so there's this like great deal of abundance going into this lamp and so the lamp i guess at this point like kind of symbolizes the temple or like his building process and so there's this great deal of abundance and i think probably i didn't read calvin's commentary or any patristics but my guess in knowing like patristic hermeneutics would be that they would sim they would allegorize the what what's that face for you just said so many big words i didn't know what it meant it was like patristic allegorizing okay so Patri- I don't know okay so means. patristic <laughs> hermeneutics yeah is wait the- i have a guess but i don't know what it means Can okay I what's guess? your guess it means like priest no wait patristic like father patriarchy yes so wait it was the patristic what hermeneutics oh yeah and that means like interpretation yeah yeah okay so church fathers like how how the church fathers interpreted the bible and they would use a lot of allegory and so they'd probably look at the lampstand and think like okay this represents jesus and he was highly anointed so like there's this oil flowing and they're like okay well jesus is the temple this lampstand is the temple so jesus is the one who is highly anointed so again how do we know that the lampstand is the temple because the lampstands were in the temple so it's just like, like a, oh, that's an that's a literary thing where it's like a piece of it represents the whole synecdoche. <gasps> that's what it is. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so it's okay. super super common in prophetic literature. That's good to know. Yeah. So there's this lamp, and it represents the temple, and we know that Jesus is truly the like fulfillment of that. Yeah. Well, because we are okay. I think I moved a little too fast. Okay. Okay. So, I was saying that the the church fathers would probably interpret it that way. I, I wouldn't say they were wrong, per se, in doing that. Because, like, we followed the logical conclusion of that. Some people would be like, no, you're... 
you're being too stretchy and flexible with the text. Um, the hmm, you stumped me. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm just trying to gather my words. Okay, so what's going on is where was I? Who are you? You were saying how the lampstand doesn't mean it's just Jesus. Oh. Yeah, because because we are um, Covenant 1689 Federal Baptists. <laughs> Lots of words. Mm-hmm. Um, we agree with Sam Renahan when he says that there is mystery, like Christ is mysterious in the Old Testament. So, like, we don't want to take away from the mystery that's in the Old Testament. Like, we want Ooh. the mystery to, like, stay in the Old Testament. Yeah. So, like, we obviously so will like, say... Oh, there's in, like... Like, we'll obviously say in passages, like, in Isaiah 53, like, okay, that's Jesus. I like Jonah. Well, yeah, but... Like, it's still a mystery. Like, it, it wasn't clearly revealed. Okay. All the yeah, time. okay, yeah. Isaiah 53, it's like, okay, yeah, that's Jesus. Like, like, the basic understanding of the apostles was that Christ was hidden in a mysterious way. In mm-hmm. the, like, the Messiah was hidden in a mystery in the Old Testament, but Jesus came and revealed himself as this hidden mystery okay so basically there's this lampstand and some olive trees and they're pouring oil into the bowl on top of the lampstand and Mm -hmm. it's signifying that like one the temple's going to be completed Mm -hmm. by zerubbabel Mm -hmm. and also that like it's going to be abundant because it's flowing with oil yeah and part of this abundance would also refer to the spirit of god because the first time the temple was built, the Spirit of God, like, well, and when the tabernacle was built. Mm-hmm. So the tabernacle was built, and then the temple was built. The Spirit of God filled the temple and the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And so there's this promise that once the temple is complete, the Spirit of God will, once again, fill in abundance in this completed temple. Mm-hmm. Um. And so then he said, Zechariah's like, wait, hang on. Yeah, Zechariah asks, like, what are these? And the angel says, do you not know what these are? Which, again, is kind of just asking, like, kind of clarifying, like, really? You don't know what these are? And it's kind of just this, like, conversational, like, what are, don't you know? Mm-hmm. And he says, no, my lord. And the angel says, these are the two sun. So these two olive trees that you were asking about are the ones standing with the Lord of all the earth. And, or these are the two, the two sons of oil, the one standing with the Lord of all the earth. So these two sons of oil would most likely be referring to Joshua, the high priest and Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel has been referred to a bunch in this passage 
and Joshua the high priest. So these two figures are like anointed figures because they are ones who are like completing the building of the temple. Does that make sense? Yeah, cool. They're like providing the abundance. Yeah, well, yeah. So like they are like doing the Lord's work, so to speak. Well, I don't, I guess I don't have to say so to speak. Like they're, they're doing the Lord's work. And so that's why they're the ones who are standing with the Lord on all the earth, the Lord of all the earth. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they've been blessed. They've been anointed. And, like, um, there will be abundance of, like, prosperity. Like, blessing. there's going to be blessing for them and for all the people of Israel. Yeah. So. Cool. That's chapter four. So, just connecting this back to the big picture, like... What does this one say about the storyline in general of Zechariah? But also, like, what does it say about God? It's hmm. a good question. Yeah. So the, <laughs> okay. the overall storyline, like, I guess, because Zechariah is at a broad spot, like, broken up into two big chunks. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is part of the first big chunk of, like prophetic visions mm-hmm. that are specifically designed to minister to the people building the temple. So this is this encouraging, like, um, it's an encouraging message to, specifically to Zerubbabel, obviously, but it's also encouraging to the rest of the people that like, Hey, their leader isn't going to fail. Like God has a sweet, <laughs> God has ordained that their leader would uh, like finish what they set out to do. So some of them were like kind of getting doubtful that it was going to be accomplished and like complacent. Like, yeah, we started it. And eh. I think there's a part in Nehemiah that talks about how that like there would be like obstructions, like part of the temple in the city that were pulled and broken down that would just like sit on top of the sidewalk or like on the road that they would walk on. And they would just like crawl over it. Like, they just got so complacent with, like, the way that things were that they were just kind of, like, crawling over it, acting mm-hmm. like, yeah, whatever. Don't we do that, too? <laughs> like, yeah. Isn't that do. just, like, it's so easy to, like, I don't know, get complacent? Yeah. Yeah. So true. And so what this says about God is that he doesn't leave his people. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though he had just poured out his judgment... And poured out his anger on these wicked people who deserved it. He did it for 70 years. And it felt like they had left, like God had left them. And just went and prospered the other nations. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, like throughout this whole book, we're seeing God drawing near to his people and saying like, hey, I'm here. And I'm not only near to you um in an abstract level but because you are going to finish building this temple like i will be near to you like on a physical level Mm, so like the temple was the jewish way of under like actually being near to god so for 70 years they felt like 
got to just totally abandon them. And so yeah. now, now it's this hope that don't we feel like that way too? Sometimes like maybe not 70 years, but like feels like God's abandoned us, but we know that yeah. God draws near to his people. He does. Yeah. And also I think it's just like so cool to think about that. Like God will complete the plans that he has. Like we talked about in verse, I don't know which one that was. Seven, I think. Yeah, verse seven, like, like, well, the whole thing is talking about the completion of the temple and like, God will complete mm-hmm. it. He will be faithful to do what he sets out to do. Um, and like that goes, like. Yeah, he promised to build the indicates temple. Indicates his sovereignty too. like, he will do it. And like, not only like, can he do it? And he like. Because he's, like, sovereign. But, like, he will because he's, like, faithful, good, sovereign guy. Yeah. And he does it through his people. Like, he doesn't just, like, snap his fingers and then a temple's up. Yeah. But he, like, interacts in time with his people in the Mm. building of the temple. So, like, there's struggle. They, Mm -hmm. like, it's this longer process that produces their own sanctification in mm-hmm. the building of the temple. Yeah. I just, it's so cool. Like God is just so like artistic in a way, like how he's like writing this drama of history with his people. And then also artistic in the way he writes it down and creates this amazing literature for us to read and mm-hmm. try to understand. And yeah. It's it just, does a lot of times it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's hard to understand. So yeah, but th- that's part of the beauty of it because it's so like complex and rich and structure and literature and so cool and literature. <laughs> well, hey, we broke. We have done a new record for Christ in Context. You know why? I told you it's going to be way longer. <laughs> you know why? How, guess what time we're at. Yeah, over an hour. By how much? Like six minutes. Yeah, how'd you know that? Did you look? What do you mean look? I looked at my time at the t- like the time. It's eight twelve p.m. <laughs> you remember when we started? I didn't remember the exact time, but I knew it was shortly after seven o five. So I just kind of guessed. Dude, that's why you're in accounting <laughs> and. That's why I am in theology. <laughs> I'll read the books. You do the numbers. Sweet. Good team. Good team. Thanks for being <laughs> on the show. If if you like this episode, give us a rating and review. Give us a... Uh, reach out to us. Let us know if you liked it. If you want Cammie to continue to host with me. Let or, me know. Just periodically, just, or just if periodically. If you want me back, <laughs> let Kevin know. <laughs> let, let me know. But until next time, read your Bible, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christ in Context. If you enjoyed the episode, give us a rating and a review through Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming app you use to listen. And subscribe to be notified when new content is posted. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Christ in Context Pod and Twitter at CNC Podcast. If you have a question that you would like to hear answered on the show, reach out on social media or email us at christincontextpod at gmail.com. We are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters and Doctrinal Discipleship. For other edifying material, 
check out reformpodcasts.com and Doctrinal Discipleship either on Facebook or doctrinaldiscipleship.com. 